0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to Japanese church history and today we're going to be having a very very exciting uh, part of Jap- Japanese church history and looking into what was happening as we got closer and closer to uh, World War II. Uh, some very exciting people that we're going to be looking into. So, first of all, uh, today we're going to introduce you to the very last of the five. We saw Xavier and Ukayama Ukom and Uh, James Hepburn, one of the first missionaries and very famous one, and Uchimura Kanzo, and today is Nakada Juji. We're going to be talking a lot about him. He was also known as the D.L. Moody of Japan, and God used him powerfully in Japan. And his uh, many, many people in Japan are today, even today are Christians because of his work and others that worked with him. So the gospel spreads to the general populace. Of course, we're talking especially from the 1900s on, and before we saw how that was working more with the pop, <clears throat> gospel with the samurai and, and others, but now it's with the people in general. Along, we saw that Salvation Army had already had done that before. And <clears throat> today we're going to first be talking a little bit about this Kimura Seimatsu, who is also another great evangelist. And Kimura, even, <laughs> this is I say even Drummond, because Drummond is probably neo-orthodox, Uh, But anyway, he said he writes the following about Seimatsu. During this period, early 1900s, a new Japanese evangelist became prominent, Kimura Seimatsu. Kimura had been trained in the Moody Bible Institute at Chicago. He was primarily concerned with religious conversion. Kimura was a speaker of great power, colloquial language, and strove with no little success to win the common man. So he was a great evangelist, which God used him all over Japan. And this is a picture of, of Kimura Seimatsu and this is Uchimura Kanzo and this is Nakada Juuji. And we'll talk a little bit later about how the three of them work together in the Second Coming Movement. But over here on the right side is Kimura, Kimura Seiji. And there's this very interesting, cute story about uh, Kimura, about the son of the owner of Niagara Falls. So Kimura had been asked to speak at a church. And after, you know, they took him, of course, to go in Buffalo, New York. And so afterwards, they, they t- took him to see the Niagara Falls. And some Americans said to him something like, you probably don't have such a big waterfall in Japan, do you? And then Kimura answered, my father created Niagara Falls. So he was an amazing evangelist. On his way back home, he had already studied before in the States and all. Uh, but anyway, on his way back home, he, he evangelized at a train stop. With the same message, which appeared then in a Detroit newspaper, which proudly wrote, "This Japanese man, uh, the Jap, this Japanese man is the owner of Niagara Falls," <laughs> so that made him famous, and so he began giving talks all over the U.S. about, the, and the topic was the son of the owner of Niagara, <laughs> the son of the owner of Niagara. <laughs> so that was the story of the true story about uh, Kimura Seimatsu. So for Bible distribution, sales doubled twice in 1905 and 1906, reaching a million copies in whole or part per year. So that was a very uh, significant part too about just how the Bible was being used more and more. Now we're going to be looking at the Holiness Movement, which uh, was started by Nakada Juji and especially Charles and Liddy Kallman, who also were used very much by God to help start the, the... the Holiness Movement. So Nakada Juji was born into a Samurai family and he was right, toward, right before, you know, the. of course, it was right at the end um, after, of course, the Samurai, I think, were all kind of disenfranchised just about the time he was born. But anyway, he and his mother were saved in a local Methodist Church and he became a well-known evangelist in the Methodist Church but he was feeling very dry spiritually, and he knew he needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he decided to go study in the States. He actually wrote to D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody invited him to come to study at the Moody Bible Institute. And when he left, you know, he told his wife that if he didn't receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that he would come back and work as a dentist. And so he went to study at Moody Bible, and while he was there, he learned about the holiness movement. And through a book he read, and contact with others in the movement, he had a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit, and as a result, was very excited about going back to Japan. And the Holiness Movement is famous for this fourfold emphasis: salvation, holiness, the second coming of Christ, and healing. And uh, actually, they call he called himself the Four Square Gospel. It's interesting because just about this time. The Four Square Gospel, the Four Square denomination, was also being started in Los Angeles, but there was no connection. But it's interesting because the Four Square Gospel is the same four, except instead of holiness, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But in holiness too, it was like a second work of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which you know brought you sanctification, and they even a lot of them even believed in in, whole, in complete sanctification. But uh, but I think the emphasis on the Holy Spirit and on healing made a tremendous impact in Japan. And I think that was really used by God an awful lot. So Nakada wrote, Our purpose is simple, to propagate the complete gospel, that is the four-square gospel, salvation, holiness, the second coming of Christ, and the healing all over Japan. And he returned to Japan in 1898, so almost 1900, and after working again as an evangelist with the Methodists, then he left them and he began an independent work in 1900. And then in 1901 Charles and Lady Cowman arrived. Actually Lady Cowman is famous for her book Streams in the Desert, a devotional book. And then about a year later the the Kilbourne family also joined them and they together started the Tokyo Bible Institute with Nakada Juji and Nakada Juji was the first president. And in the uh, in that hall where they had the Bible school then during the daytime they would have um, Bible classes and then that night they would have evangelistic meetings and a lot of people were saved and there was really starting to, things were starting to move. Together they formed the Oriental Missionary Society and Charles Coleman and his wife and Kilborns were leading that and it was a really an amazing movement that continued to grow. If you add up all the believers in the holiness-related denominations today in Japan, probably it's the largest block of evangelicals in Japan. There's the Immanuel, the Holiness, there's uh, Kyodai, and there's all these groups that are holiness-related. And it's interesting because Nakada Juji was such an amazing evangelist that he would um, go all over the place. And in all his travels, he ended up uh, going also to Korea, was preaching there. And and two young Korean men heard him, and they really felt the need to, they also wanted to have this deeper experience uh, with the Holy Spirit. And so they all of a sudden one day showed up at the Tokyo Bible Institute and they got trained and then uh, the Kaumans and others and sent them back to to Korea. And that ended up being uh, the beginning of the holiness movement in Korea. And I was reading in another article that said that today uh, there are 3 million people, 3 million believers in the holiness movement in Korea. That's amazing. And that went from Japan to Korea. And so then um, there are two big revivals that happened during the the holiness work. And it's amazing because if you think about it, how that, it was such an important time because it was just gearing up toward the, you know, Japan was slowly becoming militarized and gearing up toward the the, uh, World War II. But the first big one uh, began in September of 1919 and lasted for about a year. And then... During this time, the holiness movement from then on grew from 1,500 to 10,000 within 10 years. So that was really amazing growth for Japan. And one person explained what happened at this first revival. He wrote the following. The Holy Spirit fell and the congregation broke down in weeping. The altar and the pulpit were filled with weeping people. Some surely saved, some cleansed. The congregation did not leave after hours and... Those who left went outside to pray for repentance. So this, I think, was a real move of the Holy Spirit because of, you know, deep repentance. And then returned to the church. It was truly a Pentecostal scene with people falling down, dancing, and even jumping. <laughs> I mean, I would have loved to have been there, but it was just an amazing revival. And it spread, you know, all over to other churches. And, and they started having revival meetings all over Japan. So it was a real powerful movement. Here's a picture. I love this picture, um, but it's a it's a very old picture, of course. But look at just this massive crowd that gathered here for the second uh, one of the, the second meeting, of the revival. And they say that the the second big revival, of May 1930 to October 1933. One report says there was a huge growth in numbers, but another report seems to conclude that there was no permanent increase in number number of members. But I really believe that undoubtedly there were a lot of Good that came out of it that you know there would be a lot of of uh, uh, people that got prepared to for all the persecution and all the pressure from the government that was going to be happening after that, but also the you know because of the militarism and everything that could have also influenced the fact that maybe of people of not of the numbers of non Christians not getting saved so much at the time because the Atmosphere, of course, was really changing about that time also. There's this very complicated problem of Nakada Juji's biblical interpretation. So Nakada Juji was an amazing guy, but toward the end of his life, maybe the last 20 years or 10, 15 years, he uh, began saying that Christ, he set a time that Christ would return within 10 years, uh, from about 1920, and from about 1925, he increasingly began to emphasize, especially interpretation of the Bible, that Japan, that Japan, this interpretation of saying that Japan was the angel of, of Revelation 7 2, and Japan had a role of saving Israel from the anti Semitic Western nations. And Nakada san. Also, then believed in the Japanese being descendants of jews that the thing, the whole idea of, of the you know of being descendants of the ten lost tribes—that there was a that they were a specially superior race, and a, and they had a divine calling to save Israel. This also may have been caused by his you know ultra nationalism because he had this idea that, you know, that um, Japan was like a special called you know chosen race and you know even that, of course they they were descendants of the jews and so this it's interesting though because because of all this thinking of this ultra nationalism he decided that that god was using this japanese aggression unintentionally to fulfill his own purposes and so he for that reason he believed that god was going to use japan's conquesting the world to save Japan and Israel and to save the whole world. And because of this, then he ended up supporting the Japanese aggression in Korea and China and all of Asia. And he felt God would use it to bring salvation to the world. He seemed to shift from personal salvation of individuals to national salvation. Also, he became so focused on the salvation of the Jews that he ended up neglecting evangelizing the Japanese. So all of this ended up in causing a major split in the movement in 1936. And then three years later, Nakada-san died in 1939. So it's really a shame because, you know, he was such an amazing guy and was used by God so powerfully. But because of going extreme in these interpretations of the Bible and getting so focused on Israel, that ended up splitting the movement and caused a lot of, of uh, harm. And, and it's really unfortunate because he himself had been and you know, was used by God unbelievably, and, and the movement continued to be used by God, even today. It's still being used by God. Then there was the Great Village Campaign in the uh, the, the Bible in every home by 1913 to 1918 in five years. And this was a vision that God gave to Charles Kalman, and he really uh, they really worked hard. They sent, you know, teams all over Japan preaching the gospel and taking the Bible to every home. And this, so it, they actually managed to take it to all the Japanese homes. And it was about, at that time, the Japanese population was about 60 million people. Then there was a second coming movement, which I showed you before, that photo of uh, Kimura and, and uh, Uchimura Kanzo. and So it was Kimura and Uchimura Kanzo and Nakada Juji. And you know, because, maybe because partly of the, of, um, liberalism in, the, in a lot of the mainline churches in Japan, the, the second coming of Christ wasn't taught much. So from 1918 to 1920, uh, these three men worked together with others and they were preaching all over Japan. They would have huge crowds, sometimes up to like 2,000 people gathering and hearing these talks. And of course it really gave uh, the, the holiness movement a lot of status to have someone like so well-known like Uchimura Kanzo. And his daughter had died and he really started having a deep faith in that Jesus really was going to come back. And so he, uh, it was amazing that they all worked together and this was a real powerful movement in the churches in Japan. And then the the new evangelical missions began to work in Japan. It's interesting because way back here already, the Christian Missionary Alliance and team both came in the late 18, 19, uh, 1890s. So that's really an amazing time because they got here you know, quite a bit before the World War II already. And the Assemblies of God also officially began in 1918. So these were new, strongly evangelical missions which started new works and being able to start the work here. And also, of course, we saw before that the very evangelical work of the Salvation Army, which began in 1895, and the evangelist work of Kagawa Toyohiko, with his emphasis on evangelism in the 1920s and 30s, both of these were also geared to the common man, including the very poor people, like with Kagawa, with all his work with the, the poor and everything. So this was really an amazing time. So while the tendency of the mainline denominations in Japan was to become weaker due to increasing liberalism in their theology, there were new, strong evangelical works doing amazing work. And in conclusion, oops, sorry, though opposition was always present, there was a lot of freedom to evangelize, and many people responded to the gospel from 1900 into the 1930s. So in this lesson we saw especially the amazing work of Kimura Seimatsu and also of Nakada Juji and amazing revivals that happened during that time. And I think it shows us the potential that can happen when there's a teaching that's really based on the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit and healing. At the same time, of course, I think we can learn from uh, Nakada Juji going extreme and some of his uh, interpretation, which ended up, Causing uh, a split in the in the denomination. The 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 fact that he uh, didn't have, I think, adequate covering, you know, and of course the ultra nationalism was also a problem. But an adequate covering and to really be submissive to someone, to be able to help him not to get extreme off to go off on some tangent. But he did use he was used mildly by God, and he was a real man of God with sound, you know, really sound uh, uh, heart to really love the Lord and, and it was an amazing evangelist. So let's learn from them and grow as we learn from their good points and bad points as well. God bless you.